Hi, and welcome to episode 72 of No Crying in Baseball, the what's really sexier, offense or defense episode. My name is Patty. I'm wearing my Harper t-shirt for possibly the last time ever, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. I'm impressed by so many of the things you just said. I don't even know where to start, but the, the last time ever, it could go the way of my Ellsbury Red Sox t-shirt, right? Right the, to the thrift store? Right to the thrift store. I've been watching a little bit of spring training, and uh, it's really hard to watch the Orioles beat the Red Sox no matter what the situation. I just have flashbacks to when we were actually there in 2011 in watching the final nail get hit in the coffin when the Red Sox should have won, gone to the playoffs, but they didn't because Orioles. So listeners, you may have noticed a difference between Patty and the Potty Mouth in a couple of areas. That would be one of them. I never feel bad when the Orioles, what did you use? Um, Pummel? Yeah, pummel. Pummel the Red Sox. Also, I haven't seen it happen in a couple of years, so there's that. On today's show, we're going to talk about the aforementioned Harper, and I'm going to lament the fact that I'll never again hear the guy in the section above the home dugout say, come on, Harper. We're also going to talk about Nolan Arenado's contract because it's actually equally important. We're going to check in on a couple of guys that we like. We're going to introduce you to our boyfriends from the Red Sox, huh, again, and the Brewers. Yay! We're going to give you a little shopping tip on t-shirts to buy and t-shirts to avoid. Lastly, we're going to welcome our special guest, Professor Adrian Burgos. Burgos? I'm going to, he's going to tell me how to say his name from La Vida Baseball. But first, Hapa. So you may have heard of this guy, Bryce Harper. I know the potty mouth is sick to death of Bryce Harper, but we're done now. We're sort of done now, except that he went to the Phillies. And so with our our, our Nats season ticket holder plan, yay us, we're going to see him play the Nats 19 times this season. You asked a really good question. I don't know where it was, Facebook or something, where is Harper going to get the same treatment that the Buffalo did? with When Wilson Ramos came back, it was everybody on their feet so happy to see him. What's your prediction? My prediction is the first time he comes to bat ever – in Nats Park again, he's going to get a standing ovation. And then he's going to get booed soundly and roundly from there on out because it wasn't Ramos's choice to leave. And I think the fans understand that. And they say, you know what? You didn't pick us, so screw you, buddy. We're going to boo you. I don't agree with that. I don't like that kind of booing. I have very specific areas in which I condone booing. This isn't one of them, but that is my prediction. All right, we'll see how that how that goes out. But I totally agree with you. Are you gonna that. Are you gonna I boo? Do. I don't boo. You, I I, I you don't follow boo. your line of being positive. You want to root for the people you're rooting for, and if you do that, you don't have to boo. You're just going for the other way. So I don't think booing is necessary. There might be, I, I guess if you like force me into it, there might be a few occasions where I have or would condone it. But I, I'm trying. I'm trying really hard. I sense a blog post coming mm-hmm. out. When is it okay to boo and when is it not? <laughs> oh, good one. So Harper is um, applauding and not booing right now because he signed with the Phillies for 13 years and $330 million, which of course beats all the records previously set except for average annual salary. So it turns out that wasn't the one that he was trying to beat. Interesting thing about this contract, this um, this agreement that he came to, aside from the fact that it's frickin' forever, 
and a whole lot of money is there are no opt-out options and no trade options. What he wanted was length of time in one place because he kept saying over and over, I want a place to raise my family. He doesn't want to uproot his kids and move them around. Kids to be, right? Kids to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a, a young family, right? He's only 26 right now. And he wants a place where he can put down roots. The Nationals could not provide him that because what the Nats offered was 10 years and $300 million, but it was deferred over a lot of years. Here's where math gets funny. They would be paying him until he reaches the age of 62. Potty Mouth and I both said, that's the one we take. That sounds like a very sensible plan because right? you're set through those difficult years. And if he goes off in some set spending spree now in his youth, he's got that cushion for when he's older and more responsible. Yeah. And that's because we, we could manage Though that moderate number of millions of dollars per year, maybe he's worried that he could not see the deal he got was proposed with the Giants was for 12 years and $310 million. So I think he just wanted to up that a tiny bit. The Dodgers offered him a lot more annual average salary, four years at 180. But that would mean he would likely move right in four years. And that I think if they're talking about starting a family, he doesn't want to have to do that. He wants it spread out, but not too far. Family, family, family was what he said over and over. Although you pointed out something else that he said that we were amused by. Well, I was being a little skeptical and just thinking, well, maybe he's not fully confident that in four years he can hit the the free agent market with the same oomph that he's hitting it right now. So maybe he's trying to lock in those years so he doesn't have to worry about um, performance, I guess. Well, he is. Yes, yes. Absolutely, yes. Um, he is being paid more highly in the early years and then a little bit less. So he's being paid more when he's probably going to be worth more and a little bit only, you know, several million instead of a buttload of million dollars later on when he starts to go downhill. What did you hear him say in the interview? He said that he wants to bring the the title here to D.C., Right? Yeah. <laughs> when he was being interviewed, a little bit of a faux pas, but you know, I'll take it. If he wants to bring it to DC while he's on the Phillies, I'm good with that. The Nats have said it's going to be a lot of fun to play him, and I think it's going to be a lot more fun to play him if we can beat the Phillies, which the Phillies' um, chances of winning the division just went way up. And here's an interesting thing about these trades of him staying in this division is it's going to be super competitive. The NL East is going to be the division to watch because the Phillies picked up Harper, but also Real Muto and Seguro and Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, they've got a lot of a good mix of young up-and-comer powerhouses and established veterans who still have some years left in them. They are playing to win right now. The Mets look a lot better than they did. The Braves all are have been looking good for a while now. Yeah, amazing. My my favorite thing to um to read was a quote about the Marlins because they are not in fact included in this race to the top. I read a quote that the Marlins, meanwhile, are going to get completely clobbered, which should be, and I quote, rubber neckable in its own 2018 Orioles-esque way. This deal also kind of resets the floor for two years from now when Mike Trout becomes a free agent. And I think that's the year that Pookie becomes a free agent, too. I'm pretty sure because now it's like this is what's possible. What Manny did, what Bryce did. I don't know how long this record's going to last. I think that one of those guys is going to blow this one out of the water. We shall see. There was another important deal this week that I don't want to have get lost in all the Harper hoo-ha. It's Nolan Arenado, who, you know, is not my favorite favorite third baseman, because that will always be Anthony Rendon. Thank you very much. But Nolan Arenado, third baseman for the Rockies, just signed an eight-year extension for $260 million. 
to stay with the Rockies. Here's how good Nolan Arenado is, right? Six gold gloves, four visits to the All-Star game, and four silver sluggers. His contract extension gives him the highest annual salary for a position player in history, right? Pretty awesome. And he's got an opt-out after year three. So if he decides, I signed away too much, he has got an option for getting out. This keeps him out of free agency, which as we talk about every single week is kind of a freaking mess right now. But it's also a really good model for some more guys that we like. The aforementioned Rendon, for instance, another incredibly good third baseman who is approaching his free agency and he's in talks right now to have a contract extension. He would like to stay in Washington, but he now knows what is possible as far as what he's worth. So the Nats now say, oh, look at this benchmark set by the Rockies. This may be what we have to give Rendon. And frankly, now that they don't have to bid on on Harper anymore, maybe that money's freed up a little bit for this. One of the cool things about this is it's kind of like the old timey teams where the guys stayed and they were part of that one team for the lifetime of their playing career. And you knew you always rooted for that guy who was the face of your franchise. That's pretty cool. I like the two-way nature of this, that we have a team trying to keep a player and a player trying to stay where his fans are. Yeah. And I think that and, – and that's what's the sad part about watching, watching, watching Harper. So the Arenado thing at least gives me some hope for maybe keeping Rendon, maybe Mookie staying in his place. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's a good model. I hope it uh, hope it continues. We have some boyfriends and other guys we like doing cool stuff. Speaking of other guys, Ronald Guzman, my Texas Rangers boyfriend, first baseman who has a wingspan. And when we talked about him a few weeks ago, we called <laughs> him the Condor because that is his nickname. He <laughs> took that to the extreme and he has adopted a baby Condor. And when I first saw this, I have visions of this Condor in his backyard. But no, it's one of those World Wildlife Fund things. I guess so, it's going wait, through so the team. He doesn't have one of those like like leather gauntlet things that to you know have the the, the bird of prey land on? That's so much what I was hoping for, but <laughs> apparently we're not going to have that photo op. He wants to rename it Guzzy, which I think is kind of kind of Oh, I perfect. get it. Yeah, after yeah. himself. Uh, this is kind of a Rangers thing, though. Apparently jo- Joey Gallo is uh, adopting a kangaroo, the Joey thing. The Joey yeah, thing. Yeah, so I don't know how many other players have name connections besides Guzman and Joey, but it's, it's kind of a nice thing to see. And apparently it's given Guzman a little bit of oomph because he's been doing really well in spring training. The other day he uh, had a few broken bat issues. He In his at-bat, he broke both bats that he had with him. So he had to turn to the on-deck circle and borrow a bat from the guy who was warming up. And then he proceeded to get a borrowed bat Borrowed bat, broken single. He broke that bat and got a single. I don't know how those words go together, but breaking was happening and he hit. And he's been getting a bunch of home runs. I don't think anyone has ever had to say that sentence before. So I think you have broken the broken bat molds as far as broken bat singles following two broken bat at bats. All I care about is that my boyfriend is looking good. How about some guys you like who play for a team that you like more than anything? 
So we have this boyfriend thing on our podcast where we go team by team all through the offseason, which is ending now. So exciting. We start with the ones with the worst record, and we're up to the teams with the best record. I am so excited this year to say that that team is my beloved Red Sox, and I am keeping Mookie Betts from last year, the guy I call Pookie, our Baseball boyfriend rules say that we had to change so that we could sort of scope out new guys and get more information into this show, but we could keep that one special guy. And you kept Rendon, and I'm keeping Pookie. So go back to episode 19, way, way back, to get all the scoop that I put out out there on Mookie. What I just want to say, though, is that if you Google Mookie Betts B, it still comes out for bowling, not baseball. Or baby. Or a baby, which he did. So he he's done a lot since I talked <laughs> about him. He's done some baseball. He's done some baby. He's done <laughs> and some, bowling. some bowling. And some bowling. <laughs> he's done a lot since I talked about him last year. I didn't give a big thank you to his mom, though. And I'm real big on the mom thing. When moms have an influence, I want to talk about it. When he was itty-bitty, like five years old and wanted to play Little League, he was not accepted by any team because he was so scrawny. So what does mom do? Oh. I, you would do the same thing. She made her own team. Hell she, yes. She realized that the league could have another team. She would coach it. And she took the bad news bears. She took all the <laughs> stragglers. Anybody who didn't make one of the other teams made her team. And that's how Mookie started playing baseball. The only way this could be better is if we could document that there were girls on that team. That's the uh. only possible way to make that story any better. This is rocking. This is yeah. awesome. It's good I love that her. it's coached by the mom, though. Definitely good that yes, it's coached it by the mom. So just a quick rundown on what Mookie has been doing since I last talked about him, 2018 series. Mookie was our leadoff hitter in every game he played, which totaled to 131 with a few a few weeks off for um, injury issues. He batted 346 with 32 home runs. He had 190, no, that would be a shitload, 129 (laughs) runs, which was the MLB best. He also got the MLB best 10.9 war, 30 steals, and he is the first player ever to get Golden Glove, Silver Slugger, World Series, MVP, and batting title in the same year. So can I pick him or what? The World Series, he had a bit of an impact despite his slump afterwards, but he started it. The World Series with a leadoff hit and then stole second base, which was only the fourth steal all season given up by Kershaw. And he got free tacos for that because it was that free tacos for everybody. everybody. Everybody could have free tacos. Thank you, Pookie. Thank you, because he stole a base and Taco Bell had that deal. And then he scored. So how much more? I can't say anything more. All I'm going to say is he had a baby girl on top of all that. And the the video feed of when he accepted the MVP uh, award, non, actual award, he was holding his baby and surrounded by family. Kinley Ivory. One more thing. You it's didn't like this one more as thing. Much. Yeah. He does everything. So there's a video out there of him doing basketball and baseball and bowling and everything else. And now he DJs, and I saw the quick video of him DJing, and then I turned up the volume, and it's baby shark, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo, baby. You can't get it out of your head. But if you could see my face right now, you'd see how much I want to get that out of my head. What I'm taking away from that is he is preparing for Kinley Ivory's birthday parties because he could totally rock a bowling party and also DJ the bowling party at the same time. So Kinley is set up. 
I picked another great dad from the Red Sox as my boyfriend, JBJ, Jackie Bradley Jr., center fielder, 28 years old. He was drafted by Boston out of college. He went to the University of of South Carolina, where he took them to two College World Series in 2011. He is known much more for his elite defense. Ooh, defense is sexy and dramatic catches. If you look at videos for Jackie Bradley Jr., they're all going to be amazing catches. Deadspin is hilarious. Deadspin's collection of them include things like circus catch, you know, unbelievable. This can't be legal. And all of these things about his amazing, amazing catches. Beyond all of that, years of these dramatic catches, this past year, 2018, was his very first gold glove. Why, you ask? Why don't you ask that question? Why is this his first gold glove? I'm I'm actually amazed. Because he plays center field and so does Mike Trout. Ah, that makes sense. And whenever anyone says Mike Trout, they say the best baseball player in the world, which I don't necessarily agree with. But they always say that. And therefore, that's so the gold gloves don't always go where they may need to go. And he is past several years. He has had 10 or more. The acronym is DRS defensive runs saves saved more than the average center fielder. So the ones that are just fine playing center field in the major leagues, he is, he saves 10 more runs than they do because of these catches that he makes or the throws to home that he makes. He is rocking good. And so he had this for years and wasn't getting the gold glove. So he told himself, if you don't like it, play harder. It's on you, bud. You need to work harder to get noticed to have this come to you. And finally, it did. Favorite thing I read about JBJ this week getting ready for the show was a piece in The Athletic about getting his glove from Rawlings with the gold glove emblem on it. There's an actual glove, people. I didn't know this. But Rawlings sends the winners of the Gold Glove Award actual gloves. The glove itself is not gold, but it has an emblem. I think it's on the the wrist strap that shows that that this is the winner of a gold glove. He is very particular about how he breaks in his gloves. He doesn't do the um, wrap a ball in there and tie it up or use the bungee cords or run it over with a car or beat the heck out of it with a machine at Dick's Sporting Goods or whatever it is. He just plays a lot of catch with a glove for years until it develops a pocket that he wants, right? So he just finished getting another glove ready. And so he was retiring his game glove and ready to move up second place glove to be the glove when he was awarded the gold glove and it arrived. He's like, okay, I'm going to have to break this one in a lot faster because you bet I am going to play with the gold glove from Rawlings. He's not so so much known for his offense. He's kind of an offensive roller coaster. Last season, for instance, he did terribly the first half of the season and then kind of kicked it in, kicked it in so much that he was the ALCS MVP. He only had three hits in the five games against the Astros, but here's what his hits were. They were clutch. He had a base-clearing double to get the lead for the Red Sox in Game 2. He had a grand slam off of Asuna in Game 3. That is what got my heart. That right? was amazing. The best moment of the World Series. That was absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, I'm with you on that. Well, I have one more moment to talk about from the World Series, but pretty good. Um, and he had a two-run home run to get the lead for the Red Sox in Game 4. And that, plus his stellar defense, got him MVP of that series. So... Why did he get better the second half? 
He had a change in his swing, in his approach. He went to J.D. Martinez's private batting coach, not the guy on the team, but the private batting coach, got some tips, did some practice, and all of a sudden he's hitting way fewer grounders and a lot more line drives. So he's getting more and more hits now. Um, Fun fact, he was named for Jackie Wilson. Who's that? The singer. The oh, singer, I'm clueless. his his grandmother was a big fan of Jackie Wilson, uh, and named her son, and then her son named his son. That's that junior, Jackie thing. Bradley. That would be the junior for singer Jackie Wilson. I'll play you some Jackie Wilson later. Okay, please you'll do. like it. You will totally dig Jackie Wilson. He says people think he's named for Jackie Robinson. I could see that, but no, but no. It's even it's it's a I want to say cooler than that only because unique. it's unexpected. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's unique. unique. He is married to Aaron, and you have all seen his adorable daughter, Emerson, if you watch the World Series. This is my favorite World Series moment, is actually whenever little tiny Emerson, I think it wasn't quite two at the time, would get near a microphone, she would either yell, Jackie Bradley Jr., or go Red Sox, into the microphone. And there are photos of like all the commentators taking turns holding her while, while her dad's getting interviewed, and she's just yelling, go Red Sox, into the microphone. His... Instagram and his Twitter feed are all either baseball or family. A lot of Emerson, a lot of his wife, Erin. And most recently, he took his dad to the Super Bowl because it's on his dad's bucket list. So I feel really good about family man, super sexy defensive player, and soon to be super sexy offensive player, Jackie Bradley Jr. You get my vote of approval on that. Next, we get to go to the Brewers in the National League. And this is really my favorite name in all of baseball, the Brewers. How That's such a team you can support as we cheer here with our beer. I love the Brewers. Made by local brewers. Yes, we did. We can support that. I can support Lorenzo Cain. I had to choose Lorenzo Cain because last year I had Salvador Perez as my Royals boyfriend, the catcher, and they had the best relationship between the two of them. And we talked about in episode 17, if you want to go back there, when Locaine signed with the Brewers for an $80 million five-year contract, and it separated these best friends forever. Because Perez followed Locaine around and just drove him nuts, constantly videoing him and putting him on his Instagram. And the best summary I saw of this was a reporter recently showing all of those Instagram videos back to Locaine, where he could say, Oh, yeah, that's where he was a real pain in the ass. Okay, that's kind of funny. But yeah, he was a pain in the ass there, too, and going through the whole thing. But they have such a beautiful relationship up to the point where where Locaine had his um, press conference with the Brewers the first time that the Royals and the Brewers were playing and Perez crashed it with his phone videoing it and sort of (laughs) took the attention away. All so worth seeing. But once I started looking into Locaine, I realized that there's a lot that people should know about him if they don't know already. I'm thinking that I'm late to this game. His dad died when he was four years old. So mom was his support. Mom was the one who worked two jobs. She had to hold things together. And he didn't want to put any more pressure on mom. So he didn't do a lot as a kid. He didn't play organized team sports. His mom was especially against football. So there's no way he was getting near that. But he was an active, energetic, athletic kid. So he went out for his freshman basketball team in Madison County. Florida, where he grew up, and he did not make the team. So he became very dejected and looked around for another sport where maybe he could play on his high high school team. 
So in 10th grade, he went out for the baseball team. The coach said, I don't even think he had seen a baseball game, much <laughs> less played in one before then. He was clueless, but they didn't have enough players. So he made the team. And he immediately had this, this click, he, this ability to, as an outfielder, track balls and hunt them down. He had amazing muscle memories. So if you show him one thing once, he's got it. By the time he was a senior, he was seen by a brewer scout. And he didn't even get what was happening. He got a phone call and his mom asked him who it was. And he said, some guy is saying he drafted me in the 17th round. <laughs> Not understanding. Some guy. That he was just drafted by the Brewers. So once he realized what was going on, he was shipped out to Arizona for spring training, which was his first plane ride ever. At that point, there was some sort of deal where you could defer, and I guess this doesn't exist now, but he wanted to go to college. And he went to Tallahassee Community College. It was the only place he could get on scholarship because there was no money coming from home. He went there for a year and then went into the minors under the Brewers where he struggled because most of these guys have been playing baseball their whole lives. And his mom is the one who talked him off the ledge. Every time he would call home and say, I'm going to quit. I can't deal with this. Mom boosted him back up and he finally debuted in July, July 16th of 2010 with the Brewers, but he wasn't with the Brewers for long in that stint. That December, he was traded to the Royals, and when he got that contract with the money, first thing he did with it was buy his mom a house. Yeah, he did. That's awesome. He struggled after that. He was only in the majors for six games in 2011, and 2012, he had a mess of groin injuries, continued to struggle in 13, played through them a lot, but wasn't doing great, and the coach noticed that he could not run without being injury prone, something about his running form. So in the off season of 2013, they taught him to run, literally, how to run without hurting yourself. And the payoff was big. 2014 and 2015 were the biggest years in recent memory for the Royals. They went to the World Series both years. 14 lost to the Giants, but Locaine was ACLS MVP that year. 2015, they won the World Series, and Locaine made All-Star that year. So things were looking up for him, and then, as we saw last year, he got traded back to the Brewers. He's married with three kids. His wife's name is Jenny. Cameron, Jaden, and Landon are his three children, and I'm hoping the best for him this year. Yeah, don't feel bad about Lorenzo Cain going to the Brewers because, you know, they just about made the World Series last year. So that would not have happened had he stayed with the Royals. Yeah, and right? following that pattern, like the bridesmaid year and maybe this year they're going to actually get there. It could be. It could be. So your boyfriend, Locaine, and mine, yep, Christian Yelich, I went there, left fielder, 27 years old, became Brewers on the very same day. Christian Yelich was traded from the Mariners and Lorenzo Cain was picked up as a free agent on the exact same day of January 2018 to become Brewers. I talk a lot. I've talked a lot about Christian Yelich last season because, oh, my God, he's great. So just in brief, 2018 National League MVP. He was an all-star. He won the Silver Slugger. He won the Boyfriend Award, the Heart and Hustle Award. He had the NL. National League leading 326 batting average. He doubled his number of home runs from 2017 to a career high 36 home runs this past season. And he has career high so st and stolen bases of 22. 
So the other thing I know I mentioned before, but I got to mention again because it's so freaking cool, is that he hit for the cycle not once but twice in a two-week period, both against the Reds. Kind of amazing. So like JBJ goes back to the University of, of South Carolina to co-hang out and show support for the team, Christian Yelich does that with his high school, Westlake, Westlake High School, because that's where he was drafted from. Okay, He was drafted by the Marlins in the first round of 2010, right out of school. He turned down his scholarship from the University of Miami. He was going to be a hurricane, decided to go right into baseball and take that signing bonus. Interesting thing is he seems to be super private about his home life, um, about his personal life. We know he's got a mom who was instrumental in, you know, in supporting him, possibly a single parent situation. I don't know. He's got two brothers, one who played pro ball a little bit and then retired. And his youngest brother is um, active duty Marines. I don't even know if he has his own dog. I swear to you, I saw a, t- a tweet where he was, it was the cover of Sports Illustrated Kids, where he was posed with a dog. The dog's name is Bishop. He said, I'm hanging with Bishop. I don't know if Bishop is his own dog. I can't find out anything about this guy in the personal life. But the cool thing is he does promote a lot of things he's involved in because they are, I'm guessing, he feels more important to tell the world about than what he's doing in his private life. One of those things is his organization, California Strong. All right. He's from the Thousand Oaks area in California. If you remember, there was a horrific mass shooting at a club called Borderline. And that was the day, day before the day of all the wildfires started, which also affected Thousand Oaks, California. So his teammates, Ryan Braun and my friend Moose, Mike Mustakis, also have family and homes in that area. So they started sort of a a, a group text to say, is everybody okay? Is your family okay? Are the houses okay? Is everything okay? And then they realized, okay, we need to take action on this. We need to help. We need to use our powers for good. And between GoFundMe type fundraisers and a big charity softball game that Potty Mouth mentioned at Pepperdine University, which attracted people like Justin Turner, other ballplayers, also um, also Baker Mayfield of the Browns, who you may remember from uh, last fall when I said Baker Mayfield was was trying to promote Kristen Yelich for MVP because they actually worked out together in the offseason, right? Between the charity softball game and crowdsourcing, they raised um, $1.5 million for relief for that community affected by both the shooting and the fires. And they just now started... Um, sending out the checks to community organizations to really help people. A couple of fun facts. The Milwaukee County Transit System renamed their bus line 22, which is Yelich's number, the Yelich line, in the two weeks leading up to the MVP announcement. And they promised that if he won the MVP, they would keep that line called the Yelich line for the 2019 season. So that's happening. Also, um, Tomorrow for us, from when we're recording, but yesterday for those who are listening, you'll have to go to On Demand for this. Our friend Christian Yelich has a cameo in Magnum P.I. That's a thing. I didn't know that was still a thing, but it's a thing and you bet I'm going to watch because, right? Is he going to wear a Hawaiian shirt? That's that's what I'm about. I don't know if he's going to wear that or wear a mustache, but I hope he doesn't do the mustache because, boy, does he have dreamy Joe DiMaggio good looks. And that's not why I picked him but it doesn't hurt. 
because we're here to help you in many different ways, I want to give you a quick shopping alert. There are two t-shirts currently on the market. One is for the Dairy-Free Dodgers. Yes, you heard it here, maybe second or third, that several players on the Dodgers have given up dairy for dietary reasons. They want to slim down. They want to feel good. They want to be healthier. So they are now the Dairy-Free Dodgers. And when Justin Turner hit a home run the other day, his wife tweeted out, Dairy-Free Dinger. That's perfect. You know, that's going to go over real big in my family of vegans. It sure is, although I don't know that they're not just going dairy-free next to their barbecue. But but there's that. But they've got a T-shirt. So yay, thumbs up for Dairy-Free Dodgers. Thumbs down for you're not going to believe this. After we promoted the fact that the Braves said they're trying to cut down on their fans' use of the tomahawk chop, a actual MLB-sanctioned T-shirt produced by Nike, it's got a swoosh on it, has instructions for how to actually do the tomahawk chop. I'm going to ask you, please, don't buy that one. Let's pretend that didn't happen. I'd like to go on to some happier news at this point. We have a special guest today. Uh, Last year, in last October, in episode 51, I had a great chat with Jay Sharman, who launched La Vida Baseball, which is a website and YouTube channel, and they have lots of social media presence about the role of Latinos in baseball, and it's in English. So anybody listening to this podcast, you have great access to a wonderful source about what's going on with Latinos in baseball. So we're going to be speaking with Adrian Burgos today. He's a professor of history at the University of Illinois, and he specializes in U.S. Latino history, sport history and urban history. I want this job. This sounds amazing. But he's also a writer for La Vida Baseball. He's known as El Profe, which is the professor. And there's just a boatload of stuff by him on La Vida. And we have the pleasure to speak with him today. Welcome, Adrian. It's great to be on and talk some baseball. We have a lot of things that we'd love to talk about with you. And starting from last week, this sort of, it works perfectly that you're on this week because last week we were profiling Carlos Correa. And I haven't told you enough about this, but we have these baseball boyfriends, which are the guys that we want (laughs) to hang out with. Not necessarily a boyfriend type thing, but boyfriend in the sense of somebody that you want to grab a beer with. And so we pick somebody from each team. And we're talking about Correa being Puerto Rican and being on the World Baseball Classic. And the one thing that keeps confounding us is that in the international competitions like the Caribbean Series, World Baseball Classic, Puerto Rico is is talked about as a country, whereas it's also, in reality, a a colony, I guess, for lack of a better word, of the United States. How how did this happen? And even more, what do Puerto Ricans feel about this Puerto Rican team as something separate from any sort of U.S. team? Well, let me start at the end. We love our Puerto Rican baseball, our baseball team. Uh, In the last World Baseball Classic, they were Los Rubios, and also we refer to them as Los Nuestros. Um, Baseball has been a passion in Puerto Rico for generations, and part of it is the culture of our island, uh, of our people, has been wrapped around baseball. And even helped us give a sense of nationality, of our own culture. And yes, Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States. And in an academic sense, absolutely, it's a colony. But that doesn't limit us from pursuing our own sense of nation and in terms of a culture. And that's where Puerto Ricans want their own baseball team. They want to see Carlos Correa. They want to see 
the uh, even the Puerto Rican from uh, the New York Mets on the mound, Seth Lugo. And to celebrate, you know, both the island and the diaspora Puerto Ricans in, in the United States together. Um, again, we love our baseball. It's it's part of the heritage that Clemente so much made known for everyone. But it's also, you know, Orlando Cepeda, it's Pudge Rodriguez, it's go Anamar, back to right? even someone like Emilio Mijito Navarro who played in the Negro Leagues. So it's something that we hold dear to our hearts. Yeah, I, w- I just want to add that. So we've, we've talked about Los Rubios a lot and how that, especially after the hurricane, was this big unifying force. But I hadn't heard Lo Nuestro before, which means ours, right? This is our team. Yes, our team. Yes. So, yeah, we, that was one of the hashtags that, that came on uh, after the, the Puerto Rican teams would uh, – would win games in the World Baseball Classic. People would put hashtag Los Rubios, hashtag Los Nuestros, our team. I like it. I read your piece on the U Darvish, Uli Goriel incident and how you talked about uh, how MLB can do a better job of not only um, educating the Americans on on welcoming players from from um, from Latino countries, but also educate people coming into the United States on here's what to expect. How would that work? I, I get the need for it, but I have no idea how. I mean, so Derek Jeter has his players learning Spanish. OK, baby step. But that's not the cultural thing. What's how, how do we do this? You know, a lot of it involves well, again, I'm an academic cross-cultural education. And you see certain teams doing this. In fact, you'll appreciate this. One of the first teams to do this were the Boston Red Sox. Thank bringing you. Bringing staff down to Dominican Republic. This is under when Ben Charrington was uh, in the front office. And having people from the states come down, get exposed to what life is like in the Dominican Republic, creating a curriculum so that they can understand what is it that a 16, 17, 18-year-old Dominican is going to experience for the first time from when they leave the Dominican Republic and go to the minor leagues and create a curriculum around that? Now, the other element of that is understanding baseball's broad diversity and that certain practices that people were grown up uh, in the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Cuba, Latin America, that are taboo in the United States and it's about respect and human dignity and you know this is what got Guriel in trouble when in his continuing a practice that was in fact very disrespectful and you know understanding about how you carry yourself as a professional and so part of that is understanding that as players transition from Latin America to the United States they also need guidance, um, mentors even, to help them out. And we see some of this take place in a number of organizations where you see coaches who are bilingual, multicultural in their understanding of how the world works. But a lot of this, and honestly, a lot of this was lost when the Winter League's experience of professional players was diluted so that so few North American players and coaches have the experience of going down to Latin America and living in a foreign society. And this is, this is exactly what we expect our Latino players coming out of Latin America 
to do when they come to the United States. As we're closing up here, what is um, something you want to make sure that our listeners know about Love You to Baseball? We have launched a live show on social media. Get out. It is so amazing. People can watch us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram TV, on YouTube. It's called La Vida Baseball Live. We go on air live at 11 a.m. Eastern, uh, excuse me, 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern time. And it's right now we're at two hours and we're talking to all things baseball, Latinos and culture. And like, for example, last week we had the Chicago Cubs barber on talking yeah. about, you know, what it is to give Chris Bryant haircuts and, <laughs> you know, fixing up uh, Javi. And this is what we do. This is La Vida Baseball. <laughs> I wish we had more time to talk with you all day about all of this. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. And I'll see you on La Vida Baseball Live. We will. We will definitely be following you. We are all in. Thanks so much, Adrian. All right. Thank you. So you should be paying attention to your own boyfriends because the Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League will be starting up again for this season. If you want to play too, we have wacky rules. They're crazy rules. We change them. We make them up. And yet our rules are solid because we're in charge. Dang it. If you want to play with us too, get a hold of us on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Send us an email at hosts at nocryingandbball.com and say, I want in. And we will make sure you get included in the Fantasy Baseball Boyfriend. I did it in the wrong order. Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League. I think we kind of interchange it, but you guys get the idea. And remember, a listener won last year, so you too have the chance to beat us. Meanwhile, we are on the edge of our seats waiting for opening day. And that is going to be happening, according to my official countdown here, while we're recording in 24 days. 20 hours, 28 minutes, and a matter of seconds from right now, less for you by the time you hear this. I'm going to be watching my mailbox for my season tickets to appear, and I'm going to be trying to figure out who the pitchers are going to be that we'll talk about next week. Because you remember, we don't have individual pitcher boyfriends. We pick an entire team's squad to be our pitcher boyfriends because we're kind of scared of them as individuals. Yeah, this is much more efficient. We're looking for efficiency. Absolutely, because you know how efficient we are. Gosh darn it. Oh, Until yeah. then, please tell your friends about the podcast. Leave us a review. If you have a chance, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And until then, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. <laughs>